This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. So if you like to start your own seeds for your garden, but you often struggle with the amount of space it takes up, you're definitely not alone. Or maybe you've wanted to start your own plants, but you're put off by all the indoor growing requirements. Having the space, the lighting, the fans for strengthening the seedlings, keeping a watering schedule, getting them hardened off... Starting transplants from seed indoors can often feel intimidating or be overwhelming. Even for me, someone who has an entire room dedicated to seedlings with shelves and lights and fans and water systems, I run out of room every single year and I need to adhere to a strict schedule to get plants rotated out to the greenhouse to make way for more plants in the basement which is why the concept of winter sowing intrigues me. I always wondered why we just couldn't plant the seeds that we wanted to grow out in the garden in the winter and let them naturally come up on their own. Now, apparently about 30 years ago, someone else had that same question and she came up with a modified way to approach it with great success. Her name is Trudy Davidoff, and Trudy refined the winter sowing process. She worked with the USDA to coin the terminology and the method, and then created a nonprofit and spent more than 20 years teaching the winter sowing method to anyone and everyone who wanted to learn. I joined the Winter Sowers group on Facebook and watched YouTube videos and read posts from Trudy herself, and I am ready to start winter sowing as a way to germinate some of my own seedlings this year. So this episode, we're going to go over the technique of winter sowing, the do's and the don'ts, the basic list of supplies that you'll need, and how to get started. It's meant to be inexpensive and easy. There is really nothing technical about this, and I think we can all do this with both vegetables and flowers for our gardens. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. So what is winter sowing? The USDA definition now that was developed with the help of Trudy is winter sowing is a propagation method used during the winter where temperate climate seeds are sown into protective vented containers and placed outdoors to foster a naturally timed high percentage germination of climate tolerant seedlings. Okay, so in plain English, Basically, you're sowing your seeds that you would normally plant outside in the spring earlier than what you normally would, and you're planting them out in an area that is protected so that they can come up on their own when they think that it is the best time for them to come up. Obviously, the seeds know best, right? So winter sowing doesn't get you early plants. It gives you the hardiest plants that you can get. 
it's a, it's essentially just a method of starting seeds outdoors. You place the seeds outdoors in protected and vented containers, either milk jugs or foil trays with plastic lids, um, large like 32 ounce yogurt containers, anything, anything that you can recycle that's going to hold enough soil. And we'll get into those details here in a minute. But this method basically fosters a naturally timed vernalization and germination process, but it's in a protected space. So think of this like a cheaper, inexpensive, more readily available version of a cold frame. A very high rate of germination is common with this sewing method. It's really good for perennials, hardy annuals and half hardy annuals. You can't really do this with tropicals because obviously they just can't stand that type of cold. But you can do this for both flowers and vegetables. Um, what's a hardy annual? Anything that is very cold tolerant, even as a young seedling. Half hardy annuals are those that can be like directly sown into your garden after the last frost. Um, again, you do not wanna do this with any annual seeds that do not tolerate any kind of extended cold. Those you can do with with uh, spring sowing, and we'll talk about that at the very end. It's great for perennial native plants and florals if you're adding those to your gardens. And if you are in a temperate climate, uh, a four season climate, you can really sow just about any um, seed can be winter sown. So um, your, your climates are a little bit different. For the rest of us, we have to be careful about what it is that we're planting. Um, but why would you want to do this? Well, like I mentioned, sowing seeds indoors can be tricky sometimes. You need to have lights, you have to have the right amount of heat, you have to have airflow and the space to do it. If you're doing that in the winter sowing containers, you don't need any of that stuff. You don't have to worry about damping off or fungus gnats. Um, you don't have to worry about watering as frequently. And the biggest thing to me is that there's not going to be any hardening off that is needed. These plants are already going to be coming up and ready to go. So they are going to be more hardy and very, very sturdy. Again, I want to emphasize here that the intent behind this is not to plant um, or to get earlier plants. We just want better plants. We want plants that have been getting, gotten off to a better start, right? Like I also mentioned already the the germination rate on, on this type of a planting is supposed to be phenomenal. I will preface this by saying I have not started to do this yet. I, this is my first time. So this is all research that I am passing on to you that I am using to do this winter sowing for my first try this year. Um, but what I'm excited about is that you can start these seeds in batches without delaying their germination or their growth, which is one thing that I often struggle with when I am trying to plant hundreds of seedlings uh, in my basement. I'm trying to start all of these seeds all at once that all need to be planted out all at the same time. If I start with winter sowing, I can do these seeds in batches and I'm not worried about when they're coming up because they're going to come up when they're ready. So I'm not taking up space with all of these different trays down in my seedling room and I can use that space for all my warm weather stuff that really needs a much longer time to germinate and and to, to get ready to go out in the ground. So um, this also means that transplanting is gonna be a lot faster because these little cold hardy plants are gonna be able to be transplanted at a much smaller size 
than we're used to seeing with the ones that we start indoors. So there's not going to be any need to really pot them up before they go out into the gardens, which to me is fantastic. It's, that's a huge time saver, not to mention it's a, a huge saver as far as expense when you're looking at potting soil and containers and that sort of thing. So these are all just great benefits as far as I'm concerned. So um, a lot of people who do winter sowing start to gather their supplies really early, like in the summer. Again, start holding on to all of those containers that you might want to use as your winter sowing vessels. And then you start planting. Usually the, the guidance is to wait until after um, the winter solstice. So we're beyond that point now. And you can keep going all the way through until April. There, there really isn't a real rigid timeline. There are just guidelines to this. So this is going to vary by region. The overnight temperatures are really what matters, especially if you need something, um, you have something that needs to be cold stratified. You want it below 50 Fahrenheit for at least eight weeks. But um, if it's not something that needs that cold stratification, then you, you can basically do it at any time. You can plant in stages all the way through when those overnight low temperatures start to get above 50 Fahrenheit. These are the plants that you're looking at transplanting out in the, the spring or even the very late spring, early summer. So it probably is going to require some experimentation um, on our parts with depending on our regions. So what I am going to attempt to do is plant half early and then plant half a little bit later on and see how they go. Because I don't know about you, but our region, our weather in the springtime can be very volatile. It can be very dramatic as far as the swings are concerned in temperatures. And so that's another challenge that I usually face when it comes to starting my seeds indoors, timing it to where I can get them transplanted at the proper time. So hopefully with this method, I won't have to worry about it as much. Some general guidelines for when to start certain plants, um, January and February. And again, this is in sort of most areas, not your super coldest, not your super warmest. So anything I would say zones, maybe four through eight. These are probably your best bet, maybe four through seven. Um, the beginning of the year, January and February, starting after the winter solstice, your earliest veg vegetables. So spinach, kale, Brussels sprouts, snow peas, broccoli, cabbage, um, chard, all of those types of things. Your herbs, um, specifically your perennial herbs, thyme, oregano, sage, um, parsley can probably be done at this time too. Um, once you move into March, things like bok choy, snow peas, uh, cabbage, lettuce, and then in April, um, if you are in a long season area, you could probably do tomatoes. I don't have any intention of doing that. I will probably try basil and cilantro. But for me, our season, our warm growing season is short enough to where I really think I do want to get an earlier jump on tomatoes and peppers for sure, just due to their long season heat requirements. But if you're in an area where your season is very long, by all means, give it a shot. Try doing uh, tomato plants in winter sowing conditions and see if you can get them transplanted out and get a, and get a harvest out of them. I wouldn't hedge all of my bets on that, but um, you know, why not give it a try and see? Um, 
and the reason for that is because the supplies that you're using are basically just items from around your house. This is nothing that you should be spending a ton of money on. Other than the potting soil, most of what is required for winter sowing, you can gather um, from around the house and from things that you purchase from the store anyway, which is why I said, you know, start early in the year collecting your containers. You don't want to wait to the last minute and try to scramble trying to find containers to plant in. Um, what type of containers are we talking about? Any clear or opaque container that holds three to four inches of soil and that has headroom for the seedlings to grow, about two inches or so. You will see if you look up winter sowing, um, a lot of people gathering milk jugs. And this is probably the most common thing now just because it's something that's readily available to a lot of people. It's also something that is easy to sort of stack up and store until you're ready to use them. But milk jugs are not a requirement. Um, we actually don't have milk jugs at my house. I go to our dairy to get our milk directly and I use glass containers. So I don't have milk jugs that I can use, but I do collect um, anything else that we see um, that comes into the house. We don't use a lot of plastic, so I just sort of hang on to anything that is a plastic container, um, whether it's a, a large yogurt container or something that for cottage cheese. Vinegar, I do use a lot of white vinegar, and so those containers, I will save those and use those. Large cat litter containers, um, takeout containers that have sort of solid bottoms but clear tops on them, those are fine too. Anything that you can use that, again, is gonna hold enough soil. You want three to four inches of soil, and you want the lid or whatever you're cutting to, to create the lid to give you at least two inches of space, okay? You're also gonna want a way to label these containers and you want it to be something that's UV resistant because remember, these things are gonna go out right now. They're gonna sit outside all the way through until the spring and so it's gonna be subjected to the elements. Permanent marker is not actually recommended because that marker may fade. So I've seen grease pens or grease pencils recommended, um, paint pens, those sorts of things. So any, any way to label the containers and the plant labels that is UV resistant. You do want plant labels. You want knife or a pair of scissors, some duct tape or packing tape, and then potting soil. We're not talking topsoil here. We don't want black garden soil. Um, you definitely want a potting soil and preferably one that doesn't have high levels of added nutrients in it. So don't go grab the miracle grow stuff off the counter, off the, the shelf that's got really high levels of nitrogen. That's actually a really wasted resource when it comes to seed starting anyway. And speaking of seed starting, you don't actually probably don't want to use seed starter mix either. It's too light. It likely will not retain enough moisture. So this is a little bit different than what you're going to do inside. You also don't want to use previously used potting soil because the one problem that I have seen some people have with this planting method or this seed starting method is algae growth. It, if these things are sitting outside and you have a high moisture content and then you have the sun warming it up just a little bit, if there are any algae spores in there, they are going to rapidly develop in that container. And previously used potting soil is more than likely going to have those spores already. So start with new potting soil if you can. Um, it just needs to be able to drain well, and you don't want there to be a lot of compression when the soil is wet. So that's the reason why we don't want to use a topsoil or a garden soil. So potting soil um, for sure, and something that doesn't have a whole lot of nutrients already in it. 
You also want probably a rubber band um, or at least a ruler. I'll explain the rubber band here in a minute. Um, and then of course your seeds, whatever it is that you want to plant. So step by step, what do we do with winter sowing? Start with clean containers, first of all, right? If, you, if it's had food in it, make sure that you've rinsed it out with bleach a little bit. Let it dry a day or so before you um, get ready to use it. You do want a fairly sterile environment to start with, just like any other seed starting method. We don't want to encourage anything in there to grow other than our plants, right? So take your containers and then make drainage holes in the bottom of the containers. Four larger holes in the bottom of, say, a one-gallon milk jug would be fine. Eight smaller ones is fine, too, whatever works best for you. Um, one way, you know, to make this a little bit easier, like if you've ever tried to poke a hole in something that is like a flexible plastic, you know sometimes it can cause that container to collapse. So if you can put them upside down into a container to help hold them steady while you're poking the holes, you can also freeze a little bit of water in the bottom um, so that when you flip it over, it's it's solid, so it doesn't help them or it doesn't cause them to collapse. Um, but whatever means necessary, go ahead and get some. Make sure you have um, plenty of drainage holes cut into the bottom of the containers. The next thing you're going to do is measure and cut. So depending on the container that you have, you're going to measure up four inches from the bottom of the container because remember three to four inches is the proper soil depth that we want. We also want the top of the container to have at least two inches for seedling growth. So let's use a milk jug or a vinegar jug as an example. Measure four inches up in you know two different places on either side of that jug and then you can use a large rubber band. Remember that rubber band I mentioned? Use a large rubber band and wrap it around the container right at the four inch mark and you can use this as a guide so that you can cut a straight line. So essentially we're almost cutting this jug in half, but you're gonna leave one part. Generally, it's the easiest to do it is right where the handle is. Um, leave one part uncut and this is gonna act sort of as a hinge. This is gonna make it easier to get sort of in and out of this jug without causing it to collapse in on itself. If you're using containers that have removable lids, like takeout containers or foil trays or, or you know, that have clear lids to them or whatever, this obviously is not gonna be necessary. Another method for this also is to cut just a window in the side of the container. Again, measure up the four inches and then just kind of cut a three-sided window that can flip down, flip open, and then the rest of the container stays intact. It's going to be slightly trickier to get the soil and the seeds and stuff inside and to work with them, but if you don't have a whole lot in the way of your packing tape or your duct tape, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, then this is a way to save on some of the tape. Um, but generally speaking, you do, you know, the best method that I've seen is to, is to cut it almost completely through and have it hinged as an open. Once you've got it hinged open, all of your, your uh, drainage holes are in the bottom and they're all set there. Then fill the container with three to four inches of potting soil, and then you want to water it thoroughly. This is to make sure that all of that airspace is sort of filled. And so if the, the potting soil compresses down to like less than three inches, you're going to want to add a little bit more potting soil and then moisten it again. We want to make sure that there is enough soil in there for these little plants to do their thing. And then while you've got it open, add plant markers inside the container. So there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, 
if you have a marking on the outside of the container and that's the only marking that you have if it's exposed to the elements and it eventually fades and you can't read it you no longer know what it is that you planted in the inside we are also going to mark the outside of the containers but eventually these lids are going to come completely off and they're going to be off for just a little bit before you end up transplanting these seeds. So if you go through and you take the lids off of all of these and you don't keep track of what was with which container, which lid went to each container, then now you also don't know what it was that you planted in each of these containers. So add a plant marker inside the container. Um, this is going to protect the writing from the elements and it's also going to be referenced for later um, after the tops are removed. You can use anything as a plant marker that is water resistant, plastic knives or spoons, plastic plant markers. I don't recommend using like popsicle sticks or anything like that because these are going to be sitting in the soil. They're gonna be pulling up moisture and speaking from experience, um, if you use anything that's wooden, it does wick that moisture up and eventually it will rot or it will also sort of erase whatever you have written on it. I made that mistake um, one year with all of my plantings and that was not fun. So um, use something that is water resistant. The next step is to actually plant your seeds, right? So the spacing of this planting is going to depend on your goal. What I'm used to when I'm starting seeds indoors is either planting multiple seeds in a flat tray and then sort of thinning them and transplanting them and potting them up into bigger containers individually later on or starting larger seeds in their own individual little um, cells and allowing them to come up that way. So based on your goal and how you plan on transplanting these once they go out into the garden, is going to determine how you space these seeds within this container. So if you're planning to transplant them individually, then you want to space those seeds to be able to separate them easily. So maybe an inch apart or so. Um, visualize what those seedlings are gonna look like and that sort of chunk of soil that you're gonna break off to go ahead and plant. Now, speaking of chunks, you can also plant in chunks. If you're going to do it that way, then closer together is fine. So long as there's enough soil within there to sustain those plants um, until they get transplanted. So you can seed fairly heavily, so long as there's enough space for those plants to, to grow and, and not choke each other out. Then later on when you're transplanting, you can quite literally just break them apart into three or four chunks of these little seedlings and then plant them in the ground. And then if you need to, you can thin them out later. This is a really easy way to just go ahead and get these plants transplanted. And I think this is the method that I likely will choose for most of my smaller plants. Um, larger seeds, I definitely think you're better off spacing them farther apart. Um, but most of my larger seeds are, are warm weather plants anyway, so I'm not sure if I'll be using this method for that or not. But again, your, your spacing is going to depend on your goal. Just remember larger seeds means larger seedlings, so don't overcrowd them in the container. Um, the best way to do this, with the smaller seeds especially, just sprinkle the seeds on top of the soil and then pat it down. You can cover it lightly with a, a fine la layer of the soil. Um, and again, if you've got larger seeds, then go ahead and place them into the soil um, in the spacing that you require and then go ahead and cover them up. As you're doing this, try to avoid the temptation of planting multiple types of seed in one container because they're going to have competing growth habits in most instances. So just for the benefit of the seedlings um, to avoid competition between 
between them and also for your sanity and trying to keep track of what is planted where, I would just recommend one type of seed per container just to avoid the problems. told you guys all about one of my favorite gardening tools, my Hori Hori knife, and the one I swear by is from Truly Garden. They are another veteran-owned business, and they specialize in a small collection of high-quality tools for gardeners. Now you can try out Truly Garden's products and save a little coin in the process while supporting this podcast. Go to trulygarden.com and use code JUSTGROW for 10% off your first purchase. That's T-R-U-L-Y garden.com with code JUSTGROW at checkout to save 10% on your first purchase from Truly Garden. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, once we have all of our seeds planted into our jug or our container, we are going to tape the jug closed or we're going to put the lid on. So this depends, again, on what types of containers you are using. So if you are using a milk jug or a, a vinegar jug or any other container that has a small lid to the top of it, uh, you want to remove it. Um, and and discard that that lid. If you're using a container that has a solid lid, like maybe you're using a takeout container, a yogurt container, a cat litter um, bucket, then make sure that you are poking holes in the top of the lid. This opening um, in the milk jug or, or the, the holes that you poke are going to serve to both allow water in, but then also vent hot air out when necessary. Um, you know, think about a greenhouse. You, you can't keep a greenhouse completely closed up all the time or you will literally cook the plants inside. There needs to be some venting. Same thing with these little guys. Even though we're not really creating a greenhouse, you can definitely create a greenhouse effect if there isn't any way for that, that hot air to vent out. This is also going to allow your natural cycle of things to hopefully uh, give these plants some moisture um, as they're trying to trying to sprout. So if you've got rain or snow, that's great. It's going to water it for you. Um, but it's also going to allow you to be able to water yourself if you need to later on if you see that they're starting to dry out. So the next thing you wanna do is label the container. So you've already labeled the plant inside with some sort of a plant marker. Now we've completely closed our container up and we need to label the outside of it. Doing this on top is gonna make it really easy to read while the container is closed, um, but whatever location you prefer is fine. Um, I would suggest to write what the plant is, what the variety is, and probably the planting date too, at least for me, 
you know, in me keeping my records, I want to know how long it took for something to germinate um, by comparison, especially if I'm doing a side by side with, you know, plants that I'm doing indoors versus plants that I'm doing outdoors. I just think it would be good future reference if you have the planting date on there. Eh, you may not necessarily want that. That's fine. Make sure, again, that you're using a UV-resistant marker of some sort, a paint marker, a grease pen, a plant marker, something that's not going to fade. Um, you can either write it directly on your surface, or if your surface isn't real conducive to writing or even being able to see it, you know, like those clear lids for takeout containers um, or the, the foil um, casserole, you know, trays or whatever, those plastic tops aren't really great I don't think for reading so you can just use a piece of duct tape um, on the top of there and then write directly on the duct tape and and mark it that way and then you're going to put them outside find a spot where obviously they're not going to get you know the lids aren't going to get blown away or blown around or whatever but find a way to be able to easily move them if you need to because again as our seasons change you might have it in an area that gets good morning sun and it's, you know, not too hot in the afternoon, but as the seasons change, it very well may end up being too hot. You may have too, too much sun. So you can put them in crates so that you can easily move them around if they, you know, need to be moved or if they get in your way, you know, it's fine when it's snow on the ground and you're not going out there and walking around, but you have them on your back deck and you want to like start using your back deck, you may want to move them. So just put them someplace where they're sort of out of the way but they do get some sunlight and leave them be snow cover is fine ice is fine you want the moisture just let them sit there you are going to want to monitor them and we'll get to that here in a second but that essentially is all you need to do just follow those steps that i talked about and then leave them alone so start with your clean containers make your drainage holes measure and cut your container if you need to fill it with the potting soil plant your seeds tape it closed or put the lid on, label the container and throw it outside. I cannot stress enough that Trudy, the creator of this method, is constantly saying, this is not supposed to be hard. This is not supposed to be fancy. This is supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be not labor intensive. So don't overcomplicate it is basically what it boils down to. Now, are there some tips for success? Absolutely. Some handy tips that I have come across while researching this. One is to place a coffee filter or some other type of sturdy paper or cloth in the bottom of your containers if you live in an area where slugs are a problem. Because if you've got those drainage holes, especially if you're using larger drainer holes, where you have a, a heavy slug issue, um, the slugs can get in through those drainage holes. Plus, if you're using larger drainer holes, this is also going to help keep the soil in too. So it keeps the slugs out, keeps the soil in. The other thing is that you wanna monitor these um, fairly frequently. I mean, you don't wanna set them and forget them you, because they, they do need water. And if your conditions start to dry out, if you are in an area in the winter time where you don't get a lot of moisture, you may need to give them some water. These containers are naturally going to condense. So you're gonna get the condensation on the inside of the container and the rain and the snow is gonna help keep them watered. But if you see the soil drying out, you absolutely need to water. These seeds need moisture, especially if they're cold stratifying. Um, but they also need to be able to stay alive. And if it gets too warm inside those containers on sunny days, they are going to need that moisture. 
So if the sides of the jug, you know, you're looking at the at the soil and it seems like it is dry, or if your containers feel really light, if they are visibly dry, give them a drink. If the temperatures are above like 35 Fahrenheit or it's really sunny out, this is probably going to make them dry out faster. This is why you want to use these larger containers and not very small ones because you want that moisture retention. Um, so again, check on your plants and make sure that they don't need a drink. You do want to water them gently. You don't want to disturb the seeds. You don't want to disturb the seedlings. So using a small watering can that will allow you to sort of drip the water slowly into the container is good. I saw somebody use a water bottle and they poked multiple tiny holes in the top of the cap of their water bottle and then the cap um, fit into the holes in the tops of their jugs. And so they filled their little water bottle and put the cap on it with its tiny little holes, turned it upside down, and essentially it sort of just rained water into their containers. It was kind of cute. So um, I imagine that a spray bottle would also work just fine. Anything that you can get into the size of the jug opening that will allow you to water the seeds um, and the seedlings gently and not disturb them. So what should you expect to happen after you get these all planted and you've checked the, the water and you're making sure that they're, they're kept moist enough? Well, the germination rates are going to be different for every single plant. So your most cold hardy ones are going to be the ones that germinate first. Remember, with any plant, the germination is, is a lot of the time triggered by the increasing day length and then the warming days, but still having cold nights. Sometimes they're still below freezing, and that's okay. Um, again, these plants are going to come up when they know it's good for them to come up. So um, many of them are just going to germinate right around the time that winter starts to transition into spring. I'm thinking about my brassicas. So when you see that they are starting to sprout, when the temperatures sort of start to settle in the spring and it's safe to expose the seedlings to overnight air temperatures unprotected, then you can go ahead and open your containers or open your jugs. Again, this is going to depend on the plant type. So the temperatures at which you would normally start to set your plants outside to harden off if they were being grown indoors, this is probably about the time that you're going to want to open those containers up and let them continue to grow with the lid off. If the overnight air temperatures look like they're going to drop dramatically, then you can always just close those lids back up without having to move anything, which again is just one of the benefits of this, this whole winter sowing thing. I don't have to worry about bringing plants up from the basement out onto the back porch during the day and then lifting them and taking them all the way back inside again down the stairs just to harden them off and doing this over and over again until it's time to move them out into the greenhouse and then into the garden. So this to me is just one of the biggest time savers of all and, and savers of effort. So, and then the only other thing I can think to say is that you're not going to need fertilizer during the actual sowing process itself. This is why I said, you know, choose a potting soil or a potting mix that doesn't have a whole lot of nutrients in them. You know, we've talked about this before. All the nutrients that a seedling needs are in the actual seed itself. Remember, it's a baby plant in a little package with a boxed lunch. That is what a seed is. And it doesn't need any outside nutrients in order to be able to sprout and do its thing. 
Once the seeds have germinated and you've got two to three sets of true leaves, then you can begin to give it a little bit of feed if there isn't anything already in your potting mix or it's a very low nutrient mix. The thing is, this is likely right around the time that you're going to be transplanting. So you may not need to do this in the container. You may just want to wait until you are actually transplanting and give it some nutrients then. If you do want to do it within the container, maybe you've been delayed in transplanting, a, a slow release pellet is a really good idea. Any organic amendments, because they're usually like low levels of nutrients, that's fine. Um, if you're going to use a chemical fertilizer or a chemical plant food, please make sure that you dilute it by at least half because you very well may burn those plants if that mixture is too strong. Um, if it were me, I would just wait until I actually transplanted them and then give them a little bit of a boost as I was planting them into the ground. So let's talk about transplanting. Here is where we talk about that hunk of seedlings method. There it was, I knew I, knew I could remember the name. Hunk of seedlings, right? You're literally just taking the entire mass of the plants out of that jug, separating the soil and the, and the, the root systems into three or four hunks of seedlings and you're planting them. Okay, if they're very densely populated, you can worry about thinning them out later on once they've sort of gotten established. You can just take the scissors and thin them out the way that you normally would. If you seeded your, your plants in the containers with the proper spacing, like how you would plant them out if they were um, in you know individual cells, that's fine too. You're just gonna separate them in the soil with one plant per section and transplant them. Um, again, this is probably gonna be with your larger seedlings is the way that you would have done that but I I mean I like the hunk of seedlings method it really just takes the effort out of it so just make sure that the soil is moist before you separate them and transplant them it's definitely easier on the roots when you move them around this goes the same with anything that we're transplanting but specifically with this method and then where you plant them is entirely up to you you can put them into pots you can put them into raised containers you can plant them in in-ground beds whatever it is the timing on your transplanting again once your seeds or your seedlings, I should say, have gotten two to three sets of true leaves, this is when you're going to go ahead and transplant them. In general, they're going to be ready because they have germinated at the proper time and uh, and the weather should be ready for them. So unless you see something really extreme coming that would preclude you from transplanting them at that point, just go ahead and transplant when they look like they're ready. So I mentioned earlier spring sowing. So Everything that we talked about really does work best for plants that you would be transplanting in the spring when the temperatures are still cool or cold. But if you are interested in doing this with more tender annuals, the plants that um, would be transplanted much later, late spring, early summer, you can use the same method. You just start them later. So rather than starting your jugs or your containers, you know, right around or shortly after the winter solstice, you are going to put them out when the daytime temperatures are starting to warm up, but the overnights are still cool or cold. Um, you just want to make sure that it's not going to be dipping below freezing because we're talking tender annuals here. So even in their seed stage, they could be damaged and certainly once they've already sprouted. So... If you're gonna do this, just make sure that you are putting more ventilation into your containers because your daytime temperatures are gonna to start to get much warmer much more quickly and it can get too hot in those little containers and literally cook your seeds or your seedlings. 
So you're, you know, that greenhouse effect is going to be way stronger. So make sure that you have a way to, uh, to ventilate those containers. You know, again, this is kind of akin to cold frames, only smaller and cheaper. So I think it's a good way to not only save space and equipment inside, but it's also a really good way to get these seedlings started while you're protecting them from wildlife, like things like squirrels and voles. If you usually, you know, plant um, seeds into containers outside and wait for them to come up, but you find that the squirrels are digging them up and carrying them away. This is another really good way to sort of sort of get them to a size where it won't be as easy for the squirrels to uh, to decimate them. So, um, what things would we not want to winter sow? Like I said, we don't we don't want to do tropicals. Um, they're not conducive to this unless you are in a more tropical area. You know, zone nine, ten, where or warmer where you guys are, are growing year round, then you could use this method, that's fine, but you likely don't really have a very long um, winter per se. So uh, you can plant just about anything. You also don't wanna do anything that is a bulb, no um, acorns, nothing that grows from a rhizome and nothing that you would want to root from a cane. These types of things are gonna be more prone to rotting inside one of these containers because there's just too much moisture moisture in them um, and anything that's kind of soft-sided like a bulb or a rhizome or something is just going to rot. So that you don't want to do um, with winter sowing. Again, your best candidates are those cool season crops and anything that requires cold stratification, particularly um, flowers or perennial native plants that require a long cold period in order to be able to germinate. I am super excited to try this method specifically for my spring brassicas. I actually had almost come to the decision that I was not going to grow any broccoli or cauliflower this spring because it is just such a delicate dance of the timing between figuring out when to start them indoors and then getting them hardened off and then timing the planting to where it's not so cold that they're going to freeze and die, but it's also doesn't suddenly get warm um, so fast that they just decide to bolt. 95% of the time, my broccoli will bolt and I end up just getting side shoots, which is fine, but they take up a lot of bed space in the spring for me to just be getting a handful of, of florets off of each of them. So it just didn't seem like it was worth it. And then the cauliflower, again, is completely hit or miss. Sometimes I will get great cauliflower and sometimes I don't get anything because they bolt. So I think that this method may make it easier for me to know, number one, when the best time to transplant these out is going to be. If I can winter sow these in protected containers now and put them outside and then watch them, when they sprout and they get to where they have their first couple true leaves and they've been, you know, growing without their covers on for a little bit, I'm going to think that, yeah, they're ready to go in the ground, even if they're smaller than what I would normally transplant them out. So I'm going to kind of put my faith in this method and, and see what happens, which means, of course, me being me, I'm going to have to do a side-by-side -side comparison. So um, I will start some of the cauliflower and the broccoli indoors and do them with my regular method of sowing and growing them inside and hardening them off and transplanting them. And I'm going to have to play it by ear. I don't know whether I will actually transplant them at the same time or if I will, I will wait and do it like when I would normally do it 
and see which method is better. I don't know. We'll see. I will keep you updated because I this is definitely something that I, I plan on tweaking and working with to see if it how sex, successful I can be with it. So Um, if you want more information about this, like I said, the Winter Sewers group on Facebook, if you're a Facebook person, um, I will leave a link to that in the show notes so you can request to join that group. Tons of great information in there. People who have been doing this for years and years and years. Um, the admins are all very familiar with Trudy and, and how she developed this method and they're in contact with her too. And so, you know, you're basically getting all the all the straight scoop from the horse's mouth and it's, it's fantastic. There's a lot to read in that group to give you information. You can also search um, winter sewing and find resources like on YouTube and that sort of thing. But really that winter sewers group is is a fantastic resource. Let me know if you're going to try this because I would love to have somebody else sort of trialing this and I would love to have a few people doing this alongside me in different growing zones because I would like to see how this works. If you're, if you're in zone eight in California or you're in zone, you know, seven just south of me in Arkansas or something, try this and let me know how it works for you. Let's keep some notes and make some comparisons and see if we can't continue to do this and make it uh, an even better method for getting, you know, our, our seedlings off to a really, really good start for this gardening season. So um, until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and sowing those winter seeds. And I will talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.